creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hey, welcome. That's the Bruins podcast. We're back. Uh, I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Logan Mullen. Logan, uh, it's been a while since we last spoke. Hey! We're doing well. It actually, <laughs> I was trying to mock your head. It actually, uh, it, you and I speak a lot, but this is the first time we've formally spoken on the Nesson Bruins podcast. That's true. Since the Bruins were eliminated in the Stanley Cup final, or excuse me, Stanley Ooh. Cup playoff. Since <laughs> then, shoot, I've, I missed some of it. Since then, the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the, uh, who'd they defeat? That's how. Dallas Stars. Dallas Which, Stars. real quick, if you're a Bruins fan, does that make you feel better? Uh, yeah, I Maybe mean, a this, little bit. Yeah, this year's different than last. Well, I mean, I guess obviously last year, but like Tampa Bay, it, I don't think it would have mattered because Tampa Bay was so much better than the Bruins. So like Dallas had won. If I was a Bruins fan, I wouldn't be as bummed about it. You know what I mean? Because yeah. just I think Tampa was just that much better. But yeah, sure. To answer your question, I guess so. Um, so you and I are here to kind of preview the off season, uh, or preview free agency, preview whatever you want to actually preview. We can preview the weekend. I mean. I don't know what you're up to. I got to clean my or close my pool. So that's uh, yeah, tough time of year. Preview of my I'm, weekend. Uh, I'm working Saturday. Sure. Yeah. Friday. There you go. Yeah. I, f- I forgot that. Yeah. That's part of the, the whole sports thing. It goes on the weekends. Anyway. Um, so we'll do a little bit of that before we get into that. You know, you and I are recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. We probably could have done this on a Wednesday morning. And the one reason we didn't do that is because the second round of the NHL draft started at 1130 AM on Tuesday morning. And we're like, well, what happens if the Bruins trade their second-round draft pick as a part of some sort of blockbuster deal, maybe to get somebody like Oliver ekman Larson out of Arizona, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I told you, you know, if we, if we wait, nothing will happen. And if we go right. early, a blockbuster will happen. Well, we waited. And with, uh, 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 with respect to Mason Lorai, uh, nothing happened. The Bruins held tight. What was it, 58 or 59? I keep forgetting. 58. And uh, pick number 58, the drafted defenseman Mason Lorai, uh, who is plays for the Green Bay Gamblers uh, at the moment uh, and will be going to the Ohio State University, a pretty big, he's like, what, 6'4", 200-pound defenseman? Yeah. Doesn't look that, but, hey, God bless you. Um, uh, a guy who is ranked number 132 uh among North American skaters by the NHL uh, scouting registry. So a bit of a reach, uh, a bit of a project, I would imagine somebody people feel uh, could fill out a little bit more and maybe be a late bloomer. Um, Big, big kid defenseman moves the puck pretty well, according to scouting reports. I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I know anything (laughs) about him other than that. You run the conference call. Any key takeaways before we get into some other stuff? No, I I think by – all accounts, it seems like he is a late bloomer. He kind of copped to that himself because he was draft eligible last year. Too. Yeah, went undrafted, um, right? Yeah, obviously. yeah, and he didn't even he didn't even pop up on NHL Central scouting until their most recent list. So he's 19. He's going to turn 20 in January, and then he's not going to college until next fall. Um, so I do think it was kind of a long-term play by the Bruins, which I don't know, maybe this is like me being naive or stupid or whatever you want to call it. But whenever teams reach for guys like this, I always sit there and think like, what do they know? Like, why is this guy about to become, you know, 
the next Nicholas Lidstrom because they, you know, took a guy that was way down on the rankings. They probably could have gotten in the fourth round and they took him at 58th overall with their first pick in the draft. I always get curious about stuff like that. Um, well, what's your theory? That, that he must be really good and that they see something that we don't or that the, like with this specific situation, I think it's, they see something in, film I would guess because they haven't been able to see guys in person for a while or in their conversations with him that seemed to point to him not even being close to his ceiling and just needing a little bit of extra time I mean like you mentioned with the size 6'4 200 pounds looks real thin to me um you know 200 pounds on a six foot four 19 year old is not a whole lot um so I do think that there's a little bit of bulking up that he probably has to do that will come with time you know he's still playing juniors um and and another thing this is a subtle thing but he's the son of a coach his dad coached in the ECHL uh they bounced around a little bit when he was a kid also coached in Louisiana so like hockey's been in the family his dad has been heavily involved in coaching there's probably a hockey IQ thing or like a, a certain level of professionalism or read for the game that probably draws a team to a guy that might otherwise be passed on but you look at the the genes and you think well he's got size you know it never hurts to have a defenseman that has size as long as he can skate well and if he comes from you know a a line of hockey people it doesn't hurt yeah I would imagine if you did a little digging there would probably be some sort of uh linear connection between his father and somebody in the Bruins organization. And it's, it's probably not a whole lot of degrees of separation there. I'm sure somebody vouched for the kid at somewhere. And, you know, they probably, yeah, maybe if that's the case, then they've got a better read on him. I don't know, too. Like, at 58, it's not like you're reaching at 13 to take somebody who's ranked 78th or something like that. It's a right. little bit, you know, at a certain point, this becomes a crapshoot. You and I were going back and forth earlier about our critiques of the NHL Network's uh, broadcast of the draft. And I – you know, I kind of pointed out, like they said, everybody looks great. And it's like, well, that's not going to be the case. Because if you go back, I sent you a screenshot of the 14 draft, like the second round, like a handful of those guys play in the league and not all of them are good. I mean, sure, you can hit on them every once in a while, like Patrice Bergeron's a second round pick, or even like Brandon Carlo was Carlo, yeah. second round pick in 15. You know, so that it's there, but it, it, you know, after the first round, you can get a little bit more, you know, uh, no pun intended, you become more of a gambler. So, uh, <laughs> To, to bring that full circle. So, I don't know. Uh, it feels like one that's kind of down the road. Another left-handed shot defenseman for the Bruins. So, that's fun. Uh, yeah. It's almost it, – it, it, I've i started to kind of dismiss that because at that point you'll know what everyone else is. No, I know. Yeah. I just think you'll know what – by the time he finally goes pro, we're talking probably – So, he's years away. Like, that's it. He's, he is at least three years from and even, taken like, it, turning pro. They've taken it really slow. And that some of this is, like, circumstantial, like – you know, you're not going to rush a guy to take over Zidane Chara's spot, but, like, they have taken it slow with a lot of their young defensemen as well. So, yeah, they haven't needed to rush them, I guess is a better way of saying it, but still, a few years away. All right, uh, we're here to just preview the offseason or preview the free agent frenzy, which is set to begin October 9th, which is Friday. Um, so by the time this gets up, this will be a, a real nice uh, accoutrement uh, and uh, something to, to go along with that, a finger food to your uh, – free agent frenzy uh cocktail so well put thank you um I, where do you want to start i guess tory Krug sounds like he's not going to be back if i was the betting man 
uh, if I was a gambler, I would be saying no chance that he comes back. And that is not a, a that's not any sort of inside information. It just feels like everybody's kind of operating under that assumption, whether it's Krug's camp or the Bruins. So yes, I, there's part of me may I'll make sure my tinfoil hats on nice and secure, but there's a part of me that wonders, this is kind of twofold. One, if the supposed interest the Bruins have in Oliver Ekman Larson is a smokescreen to try and, I don't know, mess with the crew camp a little bit. I think that's part of it. There's another part of me that thinks, and this is a, a bit more serious, is that they might as well let him go and test the market. As far as we know, they might be saying, we're not going to bother offering negotiations. Oh, like Don Sweeney keeps saying, it's all quiet on that front. It would not surprise me in the least bit if after he turned down that reported whatever it was six years, six and a half million uh, deal, if they said, you know what, go ahead and test the market, see what you find, let us know, you know what, what we're up against here. And if we can't do it, we can't do it. If we can, we can. And that's all. And in the meantime, they're covering their bases with potential trades and whatnot. But yeah. I have a very hard time that after – you know, a, a year of on-again, off-again negotiations and how involved he's been, that it's just like, you know, five days before free agency contact has actually been minimal without some sort of understanding of, you know, we'd like to take one last try at this, unless the Bruins really have drawn a hard line. Well, that or he's got, through back channels, a seven-year, $60 million offer from the Red Wings or something. Now, that would be tampering. But... Yeah, but I mean, welcome <laughs> to professional sports. Yeah. Yeah, when he when he signs with Detroit at twelve oh one on Friday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, that's a yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it than how I tried to lay it out at the beginning and undersold the uh, the prospect of him returning to the Bruins because you know we've talked about this a million times. It feels like at this point, but the economy of hockey is a big thing to, to keep in mind here, and you know maybe a team like the Red Wings will be willing to to spend a little bit more but like yeah what if he goes out there and nobody is willing to give him more than like 50 over seven and you know can you maybe split the difference somewhere between that Bruins deal and seven and a quarter or seven five until all of a sudden he's back in Boston for five years 35 million five six years 42 million at that seven cap hit you know maybe there's a, a middle ground there but like I don't know if they look at Ekman Larson is the better player and that's a legit interest. Maybe the Bruins are being used as a smoke screen on that, you know, for drive the Coyotes. up the price for Vancouver. Yeah. The Coyotes trying to get more out of Vancouver, but like you look at Vancouver at the same time, like Vancouver does not have, like if the Bruins really wanted Ekman Larson, they're in a better spot financially and in terms of prospects than the Canucks. So I'm not really sure what the Coyotes would be trying to do. We do with leverage in that regard. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I I guess you have to kind of believe like a third of what you hear this time of year. Um, yeah. You know, it does feel like there's a lot of jockeying going on. I just wonder with the Bruins, you know, relative reticence to even talk deals with Krug, if you believe Krug, it kind of, you know, I think that may be a tell. I don't know. Yeah, maybe they just say, come back to us with whatever you got. And they're kind of expecting the market to, to be a little drier than maybe Krug is. But you know, the retort to that is it just takes one team. That's the problem when right. they kind of go, you know, dance in free agency is it just takes that one team. And if he's willing to go play for Detroit or if he's willing to go play for Colorado, you know, if he's going to – wants to go somewhere like that and 
he gets that money that he's looking for, then, you know, that gamble does not pay off. But, you know, maybe they feel confident enough that it's a blessing in disguise. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff that kind of the dominoes need to start falling, and that's not going to happen apparently until Friday because it seems like the Bruins trade talks with Ekman Larson or, or with the, the Coyotes are kind of have simmered a little bit. Maybe that means they're picking yeah. up. And now well, I think there will be a lot more direction in the next couple of days just by virtue of Oliver Ekman Larson setting that deadline. Oh, that's right, yeah. I think that it comes down – for Tory Krug, it comes down to Colorado or Boston. And he seemed to make clear that winning is very important to him. And you look at all the teams that – I think the same thing about Alex Petrangelo. I think the same thing about Taylor Hall. Hall, Petrangelo, and Krug all have said they want to go to contenders. I understand why. They're guys in their late 30s, none of whom – or Petrangelo's won a cup, but Hall and uh, Krug have not. You say Krug's in his late 30s? I meant to say late 20s. If I said okay. late 30s, I meant late 20s. Yeah, I was going to say, did I miss one? Yeah. Um, he is 29, right? Yeah. Um, so, how many – there most certainly are not three teams so awash with cap space that that are already contenders, that, that all these guys can either go to different teams or sign with a different contender. So, who is the one – actual legitimate like high-end team that has cap space and it's Colorado and they've been willing to you know flex their financial might a little bit the last couple of years like with the offer that you saw them try and give Artemi Panarin they're clearly willing to get creative and capitalize on this window but it does seem like they're only willing to do short-term deals because they're going to have McKinnon coming up they're going to have uh, Kale McCarr coming up um so for me, I think unless Tory Krug really wants to go to Detroit and be part of a rebuilding process and, you know, they can most likely offer him the most money, I don't know where else he's signing. And if he wants to go to Detroit and play for a team that's probably not going to be good for a couple more years but be the fifth highest paid defenseman in the NHL, God bless him, go do it. I just don't know if that's entirely his makeup. So I think for a lot of these guys – I. I'll maybe go out on a limb here a little bit and say that between Petrangelo and Krug, it's Colorado or they're staying put. Cause I don't think any of these other teams can afford to have them. I think it comes down to what the presentation looks like from Detroit for Krug. Cause like, I think you could talk him into that cause that's going home. And yeah, if, if it's an eight year deal or something like that, it's like, come spend the rest of your career here. You know, we're going in the right direction. Your cap hit, we can pay you up front, and it's not going to hurt us in the long run because the cap's going to go back up eventually, and you're going to feel like a, a, a bargain, you know. We'll you know, I, that, that's what makes me wonder. If we're talking about pitches, like, I wonder how hard Ottawa's going to push for some of these guys. Because uh, they – literally today I've come to the realization that I think Ottawa's ready to start, like, trying to win. Yeah. Uh, and that's with the Matt Murray trade. I mean, you trade for a guy that has Stanley Cup final experience. It's been, you know, pretty good at a young age. Um, and the Senators obviously are going young, and they have cap space, and they've already tied up a lot of their, you know, bigger guys that they want to keep longer term. I mean, Brady Kachuk, they're going to have to figure out, but, like, they have Tom Shabbat signed. Uh, if you bring in Krug, that's going to be a very exciting defense, actually. Because you have Shabbat, Krug, uh, Nikita Zaitsev, for what that's worth, Brady Kachuk. Like, there's 
that is a a rebuilding team that I think you could sell guys on. I think Detroit has a little bit yeah. more room to go, especially since the last few first round picks they've taken, they've kind of gone way off the board from what people thought that they were going to do. Um, but I can see a team like Ottawa maybe making a push for some of these bigger guys and saying, you know, you're the piece that could make us a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, that's a tougher sell, I think, for just about every, you know, everybody because it's Ottawa for starters. It is Ottawa, right? Um, and you know, for crew, like Detroit may suck, especially for a few years, but it's in Michigan. But you're right around the corner from home. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's interesting. It, I like Colorado getting one of those guys would be fascinating because all of a sudden you've got one hell of a core. Um, yeah. yeah. You just imagine a you know a decor with Krug and Kale McCarr in there, and uh, maybe they go after both of them. Get weird. Like go just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if right they now. do that, they're basically guaranteeing that like you know one of Landeskog, McKinnon, or McCarr is not going to be around for a long time, but. Fine, maximize your assets. I don't know if I'm more – except for you – know, Landeskog's probably the only guy I'd let walk. That's – yeah, that, that would have been my – Petrangelo yeah. or Bulls. Um, I'm just looking at – yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so that's something I – it does feel like – well, let me ask you this. What's the first domino to fall? Is it going to be the Bruins – pull the trigger on a deal for somebody like Ekman Larson, or do they wait and see what happens with Krug? I think you might have already answered this, but what comes first, do you think? I guess they have to – It has to kind of be Ekman Larson, I think. Like that's, so I guess – If they're not going to re-sign Krug right away or before the start of free agency. But do you, All right, so I guess do you think that there's a chance that that happens before free agency even begins? I wouldn't completely rule it out. I just, I, I've tried to get a little bit deeper than just the, well, if you can't sign Krug, then why are you going out and trading for Oliver Ekman Larson? I think that is part of a bigger picture. Like it's a little bit more nuanced than just having one or the other. Um, I don't know. Objectively better than Krug though. Like. Sure. Sure. Oh, I mean, that's not the, you know, uh, makes sense. Like, it's not that you're just, you're not just replacing, you're potentially upgrading. So, I mean. Possibly, yeah. I, I don't know. What, what was your question again? Because I know I definitely. I don't know. I think you kind of hit on it. It's just, it, I'm, I'm just interested to see how the timing plays out with all of this. And I, it feels like somebody has to make some sort of move. But I guess maybe not. Maybe just everybody lets it go to Friday and goes from there. But, like, then you have to consider there's so many parties involved here, whether it's the Coyotes or the Canucks, Ekman Larson. I mean, there's not a whole lot Krug can do, but that's there too. It's just uh, – it, it, it does feel kind of like the uh, the scene in the office where there, it's just a, a three-man stick-up, but you got a, a few more yeah. involved here. So, um, I can – the only – route I see the Bruins getting Oliver Ekman Larson through is if they just hang out until Friday because Vancouver doesn't have the cap space to make that work right now like I I don't know how they make the money work Um, I can see the Bruins sitting there Friday morning and maybe getting something done because Coyotes aren't operating from a position of leverage They, they need to get rid of that money and they need to get rid of Oliver Ekman Larson by Friday, if they're going to get that deal 
done. Otherwise, they're hanging on to him, and their entire offseason plans probably go up in smoke. So I can see, you know, the Bruins just kind of chilling until Friday, and then when the Coyotes are in pure desperation mode, figuring out a way to get that deal done. And if, you know, you're getting Arizona to retain money and you're getting them for what your last offer to Krug was probably going to be, then, okay, you might as well and you say, thanks, Tori, see ya. Um, but I also don't get the impression that they're totally averse to re-signing Krug if the possibility presents itself. I just don't think he's a player that they've decided they want to overextend themselves for. I mean, what's what's one of the big knocks with Oliver ekman Larson is you don't want to be paying for, you know, years six and seven of that deal. You have even five, six, and seven. Well, would you rather be doing it with Krug, a much smaller guy? I, yeah, I guess that actually the it goes back to how I started this conversation about you know assuming Krug is gone. It's like the fact that they haven't signed him yet maybe is the best indication that he's gone. The yeah. only reason I haven't completely been sold on the idea that he's gone is because they haven't traded his negotiating rights. Sure. Yeah, and that was actually one and, thing. And maybe that's something that comes later today and becomes outdated news for. Yeah, like what us. is that? What is that even worth, do you think? I, I don't think it's a lot. I, I think it probably, yeah, like mid to late round pick, probably. There was, yeah, I was talking to you, and this did, did feel a little early for this, but they, uh, Detroit was up and they were at the podium, so to speak, uh, which is just a colloquial term at this point. But, like, <laughs> um, they they were about to announce a, a trade. The Red Wings are making a trade. I was like, oh, boy, here it is. You know, maybe the Bruins are yeah, trying to move they, like, up. They, like, traded back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so, how does Friday play out? What's uh, you know, do, do the Bruins go hunting for free agents in addition to to making something big happen, or do you think they lay in the weeds and kind of? So, I guess we've been doing a lot of preview stuff this week, and I kind of wrote this. I forget which story it was in, but so many dominoes need to fall for different things to happen because, like, it feels like they're in on everything. That is a report out there, right? In on everything. That, I would imagine that means trades, free agency, literally everything. Like, so if they make a big trade, they trade a high-priced guy before Friday, that completely changes everything. So I guess it's a bad question on my part. Well, so my question, too, is everyone's like, okay, well, what happens if they make a trade that moves out a ton of money so they can sign a free agent? Who are they trading? Like, whose contract that of a player that they would actually move is so tradable outside of – Tuka Rask or David Krejci? Like, those yeah, are I mean, two, two guys entering their final years. Oh, I mean, it's not even – we're not trading them late. Just look at the numbers. Like, those are the highest right, right. guys who probably – who aren't the first line. Like, the first line feels untouchable. And then everybody else, maybe they're open to. But then so you just click sort by highest paid, and there you go. I mean, yeah, yeah. That, those would be the players. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe there's a blockbuster like that. I if the Brewers are still intent on keeping some of this core together, I feel like there are some pieces that you just can't move, and Tuka Rask is one of them. Um, so for me, I think we will sooner see Tory Krug walk in free agency and then the Bruins be a little bit more active with smaller pieces. Yeah. That, like, uh, I will cut right to the quick here. I think the ideal situation for the Bruins would be Krug walks, you sign one of the two UFA Panthers forwards between Evgeny Dodonov or Mike Hoffman, who will cost a little bit of money but not be cap crippling. You sign Eric Gustafson 
to a lower money deal for as far as point scoring defensemen come. Uh, and then you kick the tires on Andreas Athanasiu, who w- isn't getting a qualifying offer from Edmonton, but is one of those higher floor, I, I don't know, lower floor, high ceiling guy. Like, I don't know at this point what you would consider him because he's played a dozen games with a legitimate contender. Um, a legitimate contender that got bounced early in the playoffs, but the rest of his career, he's been wasted away in Detroit. So I think that might be a bit more prudent. Um, how, how do you make that all fit financially? Well, because what do you think Gustafson will get? I mean, so what do you make last year? A million and a half? Yeah, like two. Two. Get a race? I don't know. Like two, three. Oh. Dodonov is probably getting like four. Hoffman's probably getting five, right? Five Have you mentioned seven. your the restricted free agents at all? Athanasiu is not getting a qualifying offer from Edmonton. The Bruins restricted free agents. Oh, yeah. Well, so this is a whole separate thing because I think we overstate how much the Bruins restricted free agents are going to get. Like, I think Matt Grizzlick's worth a lot more than he's going to get. He's probably going to make, what, two or three million? So who are the RFAs? There's Grizzlick, DeBrus, Coolman. Coolman, sure. All right, and those so, are the NHL guys because you also no, I have guess, like Phoenician and Zaboral, um, but those guys won't get anything. Six, seven million? Seven million among the three of them? Yeah. All right, yeah. so you got eight million to pay all those other guys you mentioned? You're going to pull it off? Yeah. Be tight, but. Who's your uh, captain next year? Who's your captain next year? It's a good question. Is Dan O'Char going to sign for 500 grand? Like, Seven fifty. Give him the vet minimum. Um, you're gonna have to, you know. You're probably moving money out. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, if it's gonna happen anyways, like I don't know. I'd rather go with a bit more well-rounded of a team, but yeah, I think the obvious first play is to sign Corey Perry. Um, oh my god, <laughs> with Corey Perry. That is a callback, but uh, and are I'm you kidding. serious about that? No, I, I mean maybe if we sing around at the end of free agency and. You have the money to do Pick him it. up off the scrap heap. He looked fine. He looked fine in the Stanley Cup final. He actually played some some pretty good minutes for them. He passed in front of the net, you know, whatever. Uh, they clearly benefited from his uh, veteran leadership, you know. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you on some of the things you said. I like Hoffman a lot, but again, the money's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, Gustafson, I wrote in that story, in one of the stories, is week about you know free agencies free agents the Bruins realistically could sign he was up there uh I think we both talked ourselves into Kevin Shattenkirk too sure yeah and so I guess that's a way to kind of beef up the 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 blue line without spending a ton of money um trying to remember who I had up front in that story it's probably not good that I can't remember it um but yeah, I, so I guess you're probably not going to find a, a, a top six winger at any point in this. That's, yeah. It seems like a pipe dream. And so we're going to have the same exact conversations at the trade deadline that we've been having for the last three years or whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a weird spot. But part of me is I, I feel like I can be overly ambitious because I, something tells me that guys aren't going to be – Sign, for a number of reasons, aren't going to be signed in deals as big as we think they're going to be. Um, I'm looking but, into it now. I oh, I wrote. I mentioned you know to Foley. Like so, I guess it it you know it comes down to what you prioritize, right? 
like you could go out and you could sign Hoffman or Toffoli, but you're probably not going to get Shattenkirk and Gustafson. So, and that's what I'm curious about is how much do you trust your defense right now if you're Don Sweeney? Because if if you trust your prospects a lot and you think like, if you think you can go into next season with what, Lozon and Zaboral, or uh, Lozon and Clifton as your bottom pairing, then probably Chara Carlo and Grizzlick McAvoy, and you have John Moore as an extra, like, that's not a bad defense. And if you think you can do that, then you can go hog wild on the free agency market. You can make a play for one of those. That's the direction I'd probably go. Bigger free yeah. agency. It, yeah, it, and I guess it just depends on how much you trust that glut of prospects. Do you think Zaboral's ready? Do you think Bakaninen's almost ready? Do you think you might have something in Jack Ashan? Like, there, there's all those factors there where, like, they certainly don't have a dearth of potentially NHL-ready defensemen, but you just don't know entirely if they are actually ready. But if they you are – Gotta find out at you, some point. Yeah, if they are and you trust at some point, you know, they're ready to go, then – yeah, make a play for a forward. Try and upgrade there because the last few years they've done little in the way of trying to bolster the top six. I mean, if you're spending six or seven million dollars on a free agent, you're probably better off doing it for a guy like Mike Hoffman or Tyler Toffoli than you are, you know, Oliver Ekman Larson. If you know, it, which would also entail you giving something up. Yeah, I, I do think it's the most fascinating thing about this is that like they could go a handful of different directions. They do have some flexibility in that regard where it's like, you know, I think DeBrusque's name popped up on trade, trade bait list. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's, and then if that happens though, then now all of a sudden you're basically rebuilding your second line. You know what I mean? Like there's. It, well, it depends, right? Because if you, if you use money, you otherwise would have given DeBrusque to sign a, a legitimate top six winger not saying that DeBrusque isn't then you go into next year with a Hoffman or Tafoli right, so, type and Andre Kasha yeah that's on so like you're yeah I guess so I forgot about Kasha that's on me um which probably speaks to- <laughs> I mean yeah after the way the last few months went um yeah and I guess yeah yeah still like that's a pretty sizable change in direction if you were to move on from a guy like DeBrusque. So, like, that's the other thing, too, that's right. going to be interesting is, like, Sweeney has hinted at a willingness to trade from the core pretty much this entire uh, offseason or whatever. But, like, that's something he hasn't really done a ton of since he took over. Like, he's been – I'll give him credit. He's been very good at knowing when to move on when it comes to free agents yeah. and things like that. Um but the trade, you know, when it comes to core guys, understandably so, it's worked out. Like, they've been really good, so why would you want to do that? Right. So maybe we're getting to a point of, you know, a breaking point where something needs to change for them to go where they want to go. I mean, clearly they need to do something with that roster. Like, the roster needs to be better. I don't think that that's a unfair critique for a team that just got knocked out in the second round by a much better team that went on to win the Stanley cup who also happens to be a division rival. Like there's, right. there's work to be done here. So like I said, there's a million different ways that they could go. And that's just going to be really interesting to see how they do that. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with the idea of bringing in some fresh faces. I mean, but I also don't agree with like doing it just to do it either. Right. I mean, this team won the president's uh, president's trophy last year. Like this is, they're still, you know, a, a playoff team and yeah. it's still a, a legit Stanley Cup contender, but 
you know, a lot of different, it could just go a lot of different ways. And that's really interesting. I just personally, I think, and this is as it relates to like Oliver Ekman Larson and people think the Bruins should go after Taylor Hall. If Don Sweeney is actually insistent on blowing some of this stuff up, it seems very counterproductive to me to do that and then sign a guy or bring in a guy that has a massive contract that is basically just going to cripple your cap once again. Like that, that I just don't get. That'd be pretty ballsy. Cause then now you're talking about a pretty clean rebuild. Like, right. You know what I mean? That's if they, if they blew it up and didn't use the money to sign a free agent like that or acquire somebody like Ekman Larson, as you're alluding to, that's, you're not going to be nearly as good next year. Well, look, you've got one more year, provided there are no trades. You've got one more year of Krejci and Rask. You've got two more years of Patrice Bergeron. Like, oh, it's so weird. Yeah, that's actually – it's a good point. Like, we're coming up on a lot of decisions here. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, the Penguins, for example, have retooled many times during the Crosby-Malkin era but never did you see them go into like full-fledged rebuild mode because I think they knew like we have these high-end players that we can't just be wasting and burning years off their contract with. I think the Bruins are in a similar position with, if nobody else, Bergeron, where it's just like, you know, we can't be burning two years of this guy's contract in the twilight of his career for what? Yeah. It's easier said than done though. Cause like, the Kings and the Sharks have tried it, you know, to varying degrees. And, you know, you've seen where it's gotten those teams at different right. times, you know. Right. Very Jekyll and Hyde. It can be – it's, you know, the the Sharks, I think, especially tried to kind of do the whole rebuild on the fly thing, and I don't think it worked very well. Yeah. But – The only team lately that you could argue is, like, kind of done it is the Rangers, right? Yeah. The and Rangers even, send out a letter saying that we're entering a full-fledged rebuild, and – 15 months later, they sign Artemi Panarin and off they right. go. So. And, I mean, even like Chicago, to an extent, has committed you know, to it. Some of those teams from the last decade kind of signed deals with the devil, right? Well, like, that's the, exactly. That's Chicago, true. LA, like good teams, but ended up, you know, having to give out bad contracts to ride it out for another year or two. And they, they pay for those sins down the road, you know? Hey, yeah. The Bruins really don't have anything resembling a Taves or Kane contract. So theoretically they shouldn't be in that position, but right. it's just now you're getting to the point, not that the contracts are necessarily coming to roost. It's just guys are getting toward the end of their career. So you need to, and that's why, again, that's it's just another, you know, storyline or element of this off season is like, it's not, you know, you just don't want to get caught at the end of this team or at the end of this core's run, not having anything to build on moving forward. Yeah, and I, I do think that's the line Sweeney's trying to walk right Sure, now. yeah. Because, like, you do have your core, right? Like, you have your next core. It's fairly obvious. It's right. Marshawn to an extent. It's Pasternak. It's uh, Charlie Carlo, Coyle, Carlo, McAvoy. McAvoy right. So you're good to go, but you got to be able to build around that while also not kicking the other guy, the older guys out the door. Like, I mean, Bergeron clearly is still part of this team moving forward. So yeah, that's a, a delicate dance that you have to do. Not to mention you have a flat cap. So like, yeah, it's I, a little just, harder to augment on the fly when the cap stays the same. Yeah. I'm just of the mindset that like, you know, it's a business. The GM has to do what he has to do. But like, if you bring back Chara and you have Bergeron, like, 
you kind of owe it to those guys to invest in the team around them instead of being like, screw it, we're blowing yeah, all this up. Yeah. And, and to be clear, I haven't really gotten the impression that that's what they're trying to do. Like, if they move young pieces no, I, to get Oliver ekman Larson, that's because they're like, here's a guy that can help yep. now and stabilize the blue line. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to see Tuka Rask get traded. And if he does, it's not going to be for nothing. You know, I think they're open to everything at this point. Yeah. They really do. Like, because – yeah, they go like we've mentioned a few times. They have a bunch of different options. So, yeah, I it's it must be an exciting idea proposition for somebody in Sweeney's position. Like this is why you get in the business is to kind of build things and you know mess around with stuff and tinker. But there's a lot of pressure in that that spot right now, and you know yeah. a lot. The next ten years of Bruins hockey is going to be decided this off season and the next off season. Really, it must be kind of fun for him though. Yeah, that's what, yeah, because it's like the last few years, all he's been able to do is like slight adjustments. Yep. Um, and now it's like if he wants to go buck wild, he can. Yep, and he's going to be able to do it even more so moving forward too. Like, yeah, next year you get the last bit of Bacchus money off the yep. books, like. You know, you finish paying the cap overages and yep. on your merry way. So, all right. Anything else you want to dish on here? No, I think we've been going for a little bit. I haven't been keeping track of time. I know. But I think we've been, been rolling for a little bit. Uh, I assume you and I will be back sooner than later. Yeah, probably next week, right? Yeah, especially depending on what happens. So, if there's yeah. a, if a lot goes down, uh, maybe even if if something nuts happens on Friday, perhaps you and I could reconvene Friday afternoon. That may be a little aggressive, but if something, you know, warrants it, I think we should maybe look into I guess it. we could probably do that, not to plan our schedules, but, like, we both work Fridays. Like. Yeah, and it could be – if there's something huge, then maybe we do it. Yeah. We'll yeah. see. All right, uh, that's Logan. I'm Mike. This has been Ness and Bruins Podcast. Uh, We'll be back again sooner than later. So I'll talk to you then. See ya.